Litflix podcast. This is our mini episode, Lit Bits. In these episodes, we'll discuss any current events and things that we have been reading or watching outside of our normal schedule. These episodes are explicit, but we will do our best to avoid spoilers. I'm Casey. I'm Abby. And tonight I'm drinking a sweet tea vodka with lemonade. Ah, yum. Next week we will cover Dumplin', where this comes into play. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot that's out of order for us. Okay. Yes. Tonight I am drinking a beer. It's called The Bee's Knees Ale with Honey by Strickman Brewing Company. Let me read you this description because it made me laugh. Okay. The Bee's Knees Pilsner Malt. Tattinger hops and Oregon wild blackberry honey combine to create our most popular beer, smooth and drinkable. Oh, because most beers not drinkable. <laughs> like that's really shooting for the stars. I enjoy. You should post a picture because I really like how big your bottle is. I should just put it in a paper bag, huh? Yeah, basically. At this point. It's a Costco one. I mean, it's not Costco oh. brand, but it was like three ninety nine for like a forty. Cool. So, well, it says one pint, one pint six ounces. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know how much that is. It's a forty. Okay, so I have a story for you. Uh, I decided today. Andrew was at work this morning, so I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to Barnes and Noble. He'll never know. Whatever." Oh. And you had to take out a second mortgage on your house. Well, no. So first of all, I look up Barnes & Noble. It's 30, 35 minutes away. Oh. So whatever. I went. I obviously took Sydney. And then I get home and Andrew actually had my car keys. So I didn't like I was like, he's never going to know this. Obviously, I have a spare key. Anyway, the second he walked in the door this afternoon sydney ratted me out so fast she went like sprinting over to him yelling i went book shopping with mama <gasps> she's oh, a little that rat turd. <laughs> no. i can't get away with anything she's got to learn about the sisterhood of secret shopping right the sisterhood of secret shopping it is a necessity <laughs> it is he thinks i already have too many books anyway so i mean and then Barnes & Noble is overpriced on top of that. I know, but it's the only place that had the book I wanted. Well, and that's the thing is, I love Barnes & Noble. Like, I love walking in there. I love the smell. Well, I wanted a smaller store, but there was none around me and none had the book I wanted. So I had to drive all the way out there. And then I got ratted out. What a punk. So, um... On last week's episode, Bird Box, I completely shamed you about not coming to visit me. And the next week, you bought plane tickets. And I didn't even know. I didn't <laughs> even remember it. The shaming. You that got into my subconscious <laughs> and like dug a little burrow in there. I shamed you good, I guess. And I was like, oh, I should just look at this. And it turned out that it was the right price at the right time. And I'm Because I was I'm like, so you'll never come. <laughs> Yeah, I showed you, bitch. You did show me. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm scared about the cold, but I'm excited. It'll be fine. Today it was 60-something. That's so weird. It was really cold here today. It was like 50 degrees. That's 10 degrees cooler. I know, and it was cold because it was windy. Oh, I still have snow on the ground, but... That's weird, too. Yeah. You live in a weird place. Okay, uh book movie news do you have any yeah Zack snyder is set to direct a new 
zombie action pick mm-hmm. movie okay. with Army of the Dead and what? Oh, I'm thinking of Army of Darkness. Never mind. No, this is going to be Army of the Dead. I don't know how you feel about that. I love zombie movies. I like Zack Snyder. Remind me again who Zack Snyder is. I had to look him up when you were when we were talking about it. He did Dawn of the Dead. Right, which I love that movie. He also did adaptations of 300, Watchmen, and various DC movies. I believe he did Justice League, but I think he had to step away from Justice League because of a family tragedy. Oh, I think I read that also. Here's the thing. I am all for a good zombie movie. However, Mm -hmm. I feel like, and you can tell this with Dawn of the Dead too, I feel like I don't want an action movie. I want a horror movie. And I feel like there are no more zombie straight up horror movies. I feel like they're all action movies now. They're not scary anymore. Whereas they used to be scary. So you want more creepiness. What's that movie I'm thinking about? Night of the Living Dead. 28 Days Later. There was a lot more like that one verged on action, but there was a lot more like. I don't want to say depth. I use that mo- that word too much. But there was a lot more, I felt like, emotion and actual dread and kind of terror in that movie mm-hmm. than we get in something like World War Z, which I love the book. Don't right. I wrong. hate talking about that movie. Do you hate that movie? I hate that movie in relation to the book. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that totally makes sense. I think what I'm trying to say is... Don't ever market a zombie movie to me as a horror movie anymore. It's just an action movie now, which is fine. I'll still go see it. I'm just saying it is no longer horror. Right. It's done. So cool. Zack Snyder. That's exciting. My other news is E.L. James has a new book coming out April 16th titled The Mister. It is a 20th. 21st century Cinderella story, according to her. And the. Is it gay? The publisher's description reads From the heart of London through wild rural Cornwall to the bleak, forbidding beauty of the Balkans, the Mister is a roller coaster ride of danger and desire that leaves the reader breathless to the very last page. But is it gay? I don't think so. I want it to be gay. With a title like The Mister, it should be gay. So I'm interested and I would love to hear how many people plan on reading this when it comes out. And I'm also fascinated to see how this does in comparison to Fifty Shades. Question. Yes. If we like just crack open this new book, The Mister, and it happens to be well written, is anybody going to believe that E.L. James wrote it? Ouch. I'm not (laughs) sorry that I said that. I know you're not. I'm just (laughs) saying like, what if she uses one of those fucking... Ghostwriters? Yeah, ghostwriters. Shadow writers. A writer in the shadows. A shadow hunter. <laughs> yeah, nobody will care. They'll just get excited about the book. Yeah, I think her name behind it just automatically lends whatever. A paycheck to her. Yes. No offense, E.L. James. I think you're great, probably. We love you. We just don't know it yet. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Do you have news? 
I have two items of news. Excellent. Number one. I just found this out this week. Angelina Jolie is teaming with Taylor Sheridan on an upcoming movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead, based on a 2015 novel by the same name. That sounds really good. Uh, Taylor Sheridan, I think, wrote. Hold on. Let me look at the article. Wrote or directed directed Wind River. Oh, I love Wind River so much. My friend Katie loves it, and I still haven't watched it. I've watched it multiple times. I really enjoy that movie. It looks so good. I need to just sit down and watch it. And he also wrote scripts for Heller High Water, Sicario, and Sicario Day of the Dead Soldado. Wow. I really like Sicario. I really like... What was the other movie you said? Hell or High Water, I think, is a TV show. Oh, that's the one I wanted to watch. No, it's not. I think it's with uh, Chris Pine. Oh, okay. Oh, I know that one. Okay, I have seen the trailer for that one. Um, It's based on the Michael Corita bestselling novel. And it's basically about this kid who witnesses a murder and gets put into like a wilderness survival camp for his own protection. But the people who did the murder are hunting him down and the only people protecting the kid are the camp directors and it's out in the montana wilderness that sounds awesome yeah it should be pretty good i have no idea what year it comes out sorry my other piece of news uh, lately i've been revisiting some horror movies from the 90s that i haven't watched in a while Mm -hmm. and one of those was Candyman, Mm -hmm. which in case People don't know. Candyman is a 1992 American horror film based on the short story The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Have you seen Candyman? I watched it forever ago. Okay. It's with the bees, right? Yeah. Yep. So. Is it weird that that's the only thing I remember from that movie? (laughs) No, that's a big thing I remember from it, too, because I saw it when I was so young that the bees were Mm -hmm. just like fucking terrifying. Right. Here's the weird part. It came out in 1992, but I could swear on a stack of Bibles that I saw it in the drive-in with my dad. But I would have only been seven, so I don't see how that's possible. Hmm. I don't think my dad – my dad had really horrible judgment when Mm -hmm. letting me watch things that were not age-appropriate, but I think seven – As most 90s parents seem to have had. (laughs) I don't think – I think seven would have been probably crossing a line. Also, I don't remember ever going to the drive-in before I was, like, 10. Anyway, it's one of my most beloved movies from the 90s, but I don't watch it all the time. Mm -hmm. So in 2020, we are getting a supposed – they're calling it a uh, spiritual sequel, but really it's probably a a remake by Jordan Peele. Oh. Which I know I just said last episode – that I'm like fucking sick of remakes, but this one I'm on board for. Wow. So what's it called? Candyman. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to be directed by Nia DaCosta, whose first feature was Little Woods, which has a score of 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I have not even heard of that. I don't think I had heard of it either. It's got Lily James. Tessa Thompson is the other actor's name. But anyway, people really like the movie. I haven't seen it nor heard of it. So, but it has literally 100% of Rotten Tomatoes still to this day. Wow. Yeah. So maybe that's one we should watch. Um, oh, wait. That doesn't make sense. It says Little Woods official trail in select theaters. No, it says it came out 2018. Oh, release date April 19th, 
2019. What is happening? Anyway, it has a score of 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know who the fuck has seen it because <laughs> I don't really know where to watch it. I'm really confused by this. I'm really confused too. I should have done more research, but the whole point is I'm really excited about Candyman, which is supposed to come out in 2020. It's being co-written by Jordan Peele and his producing partner, Wynn Rosenfeld. Wynn Rosenfeld and will be produced by Peele's Monkey Paw Productions. It might star Lakeith Stanfield, who is in Sorry to Bother You. Okay. And he was also in Get Out, too. Cool. Anyway, there's this really amazing article on The Ringer that was released last year that draws comparisons between Get Out and Candyman. Because if you watch Candyman and you get to the end, the end is kind of problematic with, like, the white savior and all that. So I had I went to do some research about it because I was like, am I wrong about this or does this seem not quite right? And... Anyway, the article is amazing. You should go read it. But I'm really excited about this movie. I can't wait. Rewatching of these movies. Do you still enjoy them or are you finding some more problematic? That's one thing that I'm really, it seems kind of sick to say, but like watching them as an adult and seeing the things that I took for granted that are problematic is actually like a really interesting kind of journey for me. Okay. So Candyman did have some problems at the end because, I mean, I can read you like a little snippet. Okay. Yeah. Um, And it might spoil it, but it's from 1992. If you haven't seen it, go fuck yourself. <laughs> so Manuela Lossick says the you go girl white or sorry, you go girl ending with Helen avenging herself, but also now appearing like an angel of death on the mural where the story of Candyman's killing used to be, may not be the film's strongest moment. Even though it is thanks to Candyman that Helen achieved this legendary status and, like him, uses it to attack white heartbreakers, she's still a white woman stealing the spotlight from the black hero and his particular struggle. Which was what I, I was like, I don't want to see a white savior story. I don't, we don't need that. Um, But then she goes on to say, if Peel remade Candyman, perhaps he would refocus the film's denouement more squarely on its title character or make Helen's own pain as a betrayed and disbelieved woman another interesting theme to explore alongside that of racism and not an eventual substitute for it. In any case, we're not fully content with the story, so he is obliged to come. Very cool. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, that makes me excited. Yeah. I like excited. new horror movies. Me too. And I, yeah. I I would love if people would write in and tell me like the scariest movie you have. You know, oh my you God. like. Yes. Everybody, you need to say on your end, challenge accepted right now because I want to know that too. I need a good horror movie that's really scary. So when Abby's here, we can watch him and we can live tweet it. Oh my God, so fun. Okay, so I have a correction from the last Lit Bits when I was recommending Riverdale. My God, what did you do? Stupidly, I said that uh, Skeet Ulrich would have Naomi Campbell, and I'm an idiot. I meant Nev Campbell. (laughs) It was supposed to be a callback to Scream. (laughs) Naomi Campbell was not in Scream, you guys. No, it was... It was such a stupid mistake, and I, so I edit our episodes, 
So I edited it and then I listened to it and I still didn't hear it (laughs) until it was pointed out to me. Oh, no. So I'm really sorry. I met Nev Campbell. That's fine. I mean, Naomi Campbell would be fine, but. Totally great. It was supposed to be like a Scream callback. Yes. Naomi Campbell definitely was not in Scream. However, Nev Campbell was. She totally was. Um, I have a correction that's like, whatever. So in our lit bits about the, when we talked about surviving R. Kelly, I spouted off this list of men who had sex with underage, I'm sorry, men who raped underage girls. I'm trying to use the proper terminology, terminology, because it's ingrained in us to say had sex with when really that's not what it is. Right. Um, also, I used the in that episode, I used the word vernacular when that was not the right word. It should have been terminology or vocabulary. Anyway, so I mistakenly said John Lennon was a rapist. I was incorrect. Mm-hmm. He was just a wife abuser. So sorry. Uh, okay. Not that sorry. He beat <laughs> women. So. Okay. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm just so pissed that I even have to make a correction because he's still a pile of dirt. I really hate John Lennon now. (laughs) That's insane how much you dislike him. I know. And I used to fucking love him. This past little bit, Hulu and Netflix both released documentaries on the Fire Festival. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what that is, it was a failed music festival in the Bahamas in 2017. And it was the brainchild of Billy McFarland and Ja Rule. The larger dream was a talent booking app, which actually seems like a good idea. And Mm -hmm. I think Ja Rule is working on it under a different name now. Yeah. Anyway, the festival itself exemplifies the very worst in social media. Around 250 social media influencers posted an orange tile with a link to this promo video saying Fire Festival. And the festival sold out within a matter of days. And the tickets were not cheap by any means. Weren't the cheapest ones like $1,000? Something like that. And um, it wasn't only the influencers. They also had bands coming that made a good headline. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the differences. So the Netflix documentary really tells a story of how the festival came about and the people involved. And it shows you the power that Billy seemed to have over people and how he wouldn't listen to anyone. Mm -hmm. In that documentary, you also see the true devastation left behind to not just his employees, but really the Bohemian people. Yeah. The Hulu documentary features Billy himself before he started serving his jail sentence. And it is reported that Hulu possibly paid six figures for the interviews with him. Are you fucking kidding me? No. God damn it. Hulu does a really good job of showing you the buildup to the festival and to really show you who Billy is, including with his uh, credit card company and like all the scams he ran before. Mm -hmm. And both of them show you the scams that he actually ran while he was on probation, which is just atrocious and hilarious. You're on probation. The FBI is watching you, you dumb shit. He's a total... That's the thing, too, though, is, like, he's so kind of smart. Right. That's his charm. Like, he is the ultimate con man. And that ultimate 
charm. And anyway, there's that whole thing with because I listened to last podcast on the left series on Casey Anthony, and they said that she's a classic either narcissist or sociopath. And Mm -hmm. both of one, whichever one it is, they like have this tendency. And I think they said this in the Hulu one, they have this tendency to like, decide they're going to do something or decide to take something a certain direction. And they they just think it'll just work out in the end despite like, reality he's a clear sociopath because he has no empathy for anyone he destroyed a ton of lives he's a douche the hulu one i felt like they also did a good job of showing you some of the people trying to get word out that the festival was a con mm-hmm. if you want the full picture i would recommend watching both of these documentaries they're obvious issues with each while hulu paid billy netflix paid fuck jerry which is a social media company that's actually responsible for the promo video of the festival and i believe they produced the netflix documentary along with vice media watching these upset me on such a deep level like the harm that was done to all of these people and you really see every step that this situation could have been avoided and wasn't and it's it's truly atrocious I each step of the way people kept saying this isn't gonna happen this isn't gonna happen this isn't gonna happen and Billy's like yes it will it's fine everything's gonna work and no it's not he even asked one of his employees to give the customs official a blowjob to release water that's gross employee of the year willing to do it yeah that was odd I didn't understand why he was like down to do it it's so weird it's like a charles manson kind of i would do most things for you but i'm not blowing a customs official for you we'll see (laughs) so ridiculous like it turned out all that guy had to do was pay him Ooh, heaven forbid we think about paying the man here's the thing i don't disagree with you i feel like i gotta be honest i'm one of those people who is like you laughed at the millennials It's not that they're millennials. It's that they're fucking idiots. Here's the thing. I've said that like 16 times. Mm -hmm. This is what really bothers me about the entire thing. If you don't know that celebrities are selling you shit just to sell you shit and you spend your money on it and you've got money to burn, that's on you. I feel bad for the kid that was stuck at home wishing he could go to this fucking thing feeling bad that he's not where he should be financially when he was set up to fail to begin with. Right. Those are the people I feel bad about. Fuck social media. And I'm sorry, why does anybody follow Kendall Jenner on Instagram? She's a fucking clothes hanger, you guys, that (laughs) gets paid to walk around and be a total vacuum. She is a waste of space. All of those women are. All of those people are. Stop following them. You're an idiot if you do. Sorry, I'm really mad. I guess after the whole fire festival hullabaloo, this the who was it? The FCC really started cracking down on social media influencers and making them tag their post ad. I don't know why people didn't understand that those were ads like, to if begin these with. These people are posting anything, you should know it's an ad. And Kendall Jenner got paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per post. For a single post. That is a ridiculous, mind-blowing amount of money 
for one post on Instagram. There are people fucking starving. Come on. This is so insane. Here's the other problem. Going back to what I said about the kid that can't afford all that shit is there are people who are 13, 12, 13, 14 following these people who don't have the fucking brain capabilities yet to know reality from fantasy. They just physiologically don't have it yet. And we're setting them up to buy into a world of bullshit. It just makes me so angry. This is why my dad like raised me off the grid because of this exact shit. And I it would just, like to move off the grid. It hurts my soul deep down. These people aren't worth our time. And yet we idolize them because they're pretty. Like, fine, look at their pictures, but don't fucking follow everything they do. It no, makes me I've so stopped. mad. I don't follow them. I follow a few celebrities, but like Patton Oswalt, like people that have something funny to say. I mean, I follow people who bring me joy and Bella Hadid does not bring me joy. (laughs) And that's the other thing, too. If you like beating off while looking at her face or whatever. Yeah. Or like I follow Shay Mitchell because she has beautiful pictures and beautiful clothing and all that stuff. But I know it's not real. It's just a pretty picture. I know I can't afford any of that shit, but it's fun to look at. But I'm never going to buy anything she sells me because I know it's bullshit. Right. I'm sorry. This is getting so out of hand. I'm just so mad. I can't think of the woman's name. She's on The Good Place, but she posts all these things calling people out. Is it the Ai Wei lady? Yes. I follow her. I follow Ai Wei and I love that account. love her she did an entire instagram post of her like sitting on the toilet with diarrhea saying like don't buy slimming teas (laughs) but come on like i want more people like that i do too people who are willing to call the bullshit for what it is like here's the thing Kendall Jenner can be a model all she fucking wants. Go ahead. Get paid for that. Do that work. That's fine. I'm sure it's not an easy job. I don't. I think she should get paid whatever she gets paid for that. But don't fucking take advantage of kids sitting at home on their phones with nothing else to do. Who don't. Who should be investing that money elsewhere. Right. Fuck you. The other thing the models spoke out saying that. They thought this would be a good time. They didn't know the behind the scenes. Well, maybe you shouldn't advertise something that you don't understand. Hello. Exactly. Maybe you should know what you're putting out there. That's the thing. If your face is your brand and you're using your face to sell something, then your face should know what it is. We make mistakes as well. However, they're not costing people money. Millions of dollars. It's sad how many people got screwed and though that documentary like both of those just it's upsetting the other question i I have is i don't mean like i'm upset for them like it should never have happened yeah and that's what's upsetting that everyone just kept silent and it pisses me off if you see something say something how many times do we have to say that i don't know (laughs) that's and it's that whole hubris thing, too. But that's the another thing about the investors. 
I mean, I know he lied to the investors. He cooked the books. He totally cooked the books. But I feel like, do you really have that much fucking money to just throw at shit? It just makes me sick how much money was just thrown around like it didn't matter. When there are so many people suffering and the Bahamians that worked on that project that still haven't gotten paid, mm-hmm. those should be the first people to fucking get their money from the lawsuit. Please. Yeah, it pissed me off that Hulu paid six figures for that fucking interview. I watched that one this afternoon because I knew you were going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, I really like this one a lot better. I felt like the next Netflix one was just another commercial for fire. Yep. And then you tell me that. Mm-hmm. Fuck everyone. I liked the net that I mean, the Hulu one better as well, but... There's a big black mark against it now. There's a big black mark against Netflix for paying Fuck Jerry, though. Here's my question. What role did Fuck Jerry have? Were they just the marketing people? They marketed the shit out of it. And when they knew things were going wrong, they kept marketing. Oh, okay. Because one thing Chris said, because he has a side business. He's a photographer. And one thing he said when we were watching the Netflix one was the only person who actually knows what the fuck they're doing on that island during that film filming thing is the fucking videographer. He's the only that one doing something. Jerry. Yeah, he's the only one doing something real that deserves any pay because everybody else is not doing anything real. That's why Netflix had so many behind the scenes because fuck Jerry filmed all of those behind the scenes. Yeah. They were the documentarians. I was wondering how they got all that footage. That's how. That's how. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they knew they were on the island. They saw what was happening and they kept marketing the shit out of this festival knowing they had to know this was not going to happen. Here's the other problem I have. And tell me if you agree with this or not. So all of these people, well, not all of them. But like the fuck Jerry people and supposedly what are, Billy McFarland are supposed to be really smart people, like savvy entrepreneurs in theory. Although I read today that because Will Wheaton posted to stop following fuck Jerry because they steal everything. Mm. So that's another thing. But like, why not put all this effort in smarts and strategery? Strategy, sorry. I like the word strategy, even though it's not real. Into helping other people. Because they're greedy assholes who don't give a shit. I I guess that makes sense. <laughs> it's just so over my head. Like if you're I in it for yourself and for the money, you do not care. That's true. And I just don't get it. It's mind boggling. Both of them pissed me off a lot. I loved the Hulu one until you told me that they paid him. Of course, Mm -hmm. he's going to sit there and wank him off because and tell him whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Fucking turds. Right? (laughs) Hate everything. The other thing, I think more people need to speak up about Ja Rule's role in this. Okay, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Who cares about Ja Rule? No one. How is he relevant in any way? He hasn't been for like 15 years. That's just it. And the thing is, he's behind this too. And no one cares. Everyone who played a role in this, just fuck you. (laughs) Like when you knew things were wrong, 
You knew there, this wasn't happening. You knew this was a it was falling apart and you just stood by the sidelines. Yeah, and kept going. Like, why wouldn't you quit your job? There's other jobs. It's so ridiculous. Anyway. I'm so mad. The fire festival. Was bullshit. <laughs> was bullshit. Is bullshit. Watch them both. You can be pissed with us. Yeah, watch them both. I want to know which one everybody liked better. Also, unfollow everyone that's bullshit on your social media and don't buy anything from them ever unless it's to help other people. And don't buy slimming teas. <laughs> All right. What do you got for me? I read a book. Yay. Abby read. <laughs> it was only 80 pages, but I read it. It's a horror novella called Sour Candy by Keelan Patrick Burke, published in November of 2015. I wanted to read that. It looks good. It's a really good little book. It takes you a night to read it. It's like, and you get scared. Oh, it's scary. As horror should be. Mm-hmm. You want a quick little synopsis? I would love one. At first glance, Phil Pendleton and his son Adam are just an ordinary father and son, no different from any other. They take walks in the park together, visit county fairs, museums, and zoos, and eat together overlooking the lake. Some might say the father is a little too accommodating given the lack of discipline when the child loses his temper in public. Some might say he spoils his son by allowing him to eat candy whenever he wants and set his own bedtimes. Some might say that such leniency is starting to take its toll on the father, given how his health has declined. What no one knows is that Phil is a prisoner and that up until a few weeks ago and a chance encounter at a grocery store, he had never seen the child before in his life. A new novella from the Bram Stoker award-winning author of The Turtle Boy and Kin. So you wouldn't know this, but it very much seems to be inspired by that one section from the Twilight Zone movie Mm. where the kid can kind of do whatever the fuck he wants. But you haven't seen that movie, so. I have not. The section is called It's a Good Life. The movie's from 1983. If you haven't seen it, you should because it's fucking scary. I'm not sure if it's really inspired by that, but it's really hard not to draw those parallels of the Mm -hmm. child controlling all the adults around him. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some. Okay, so. There were either some editing issues or there were some stylistic choices that were over my head. I'm not sure which it was. But there were words that were like repeated in there that didn't seem like they should have been. It just seemed it seemed like an editing problem to me. Is Okay, so I don't know anything about this book or this author. Is it self-published? No. Is he Mm-mm. like a well-known author? Is I it a man? If it's Yeah, it's a man. I think it's a pretty indie book. Okay. But it's not self-published. Okay. I can't remember the publisher. Sorry, name. I already forgot his name. <laughs> Keelan, Keelan, Burke, Keelan Patrick Burke. Okay. The tone in the beginning didn't really match the initial setup for me, but it worked perfectly once the story went on. It had this kind of highfalutin tone. And he's standing People in the grocery store. People need to say store. that statement more often. <laughs> I didn't know how else to describe it. It's like a very like dramatic. I really want that saying to come back. A highfalutin tone. Yeah. Highfalutin. <laughs> I want you to use that every day. I'll try to fit it in at least once. It was highfalutin. <laughs> I was walking through the saloon. <laughs> with my garter and my fucking six shooter. I was highfalutin. 
I don't think saloons are highfalutin. I'll just tell they you that. They probably right now. are, but I really like. <laughs> I have this perfect Western picture in my head. Oh, I'm the new Annie. Oh, I could be Abby Oakley. Yes, done. Okay. Like I said, the tone was perfect for the like second half of the book, but for the first little bit there, it, it seemed misplaced. I don't know if that was on purpose or not. Um, I love the pacing. The plot was great. The imagery was so creepy and I really loved it. I don't know how I feel about the overall themes of the book. It's very much about a man not wanting children. And I don't know how I feel about the female characters. So, but I didn't have a lot of time to form opinions. I think I have to let it sit for a little while or maybe reread it. Mm -hmm. But overall, I really liked it. It was very scary and I'll probably read the rest of his books. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah. I like when you read extra books. It's not going to happen very often. (laughs) Okay. Just so you know. Cool. I'm done. Okay. I might pick that book up. Okay. I'll just let you borrow it. I'll bring it when I come visit. All right. And you can Uh, check out the highfalutin tone. Yes. That was a weird yes. (laughs) Yes. That was highfalutin. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Okay, so I want to try something out, and this is my guinea pig episode. Ooh, I'm excited. I want to cover book series on the podcast. So for the next, including this one, it'll be six total. I'm going to do mini reviews of Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse. And I've talked about this book before, and it's coming to Netflix so here we go. And I would love everyone's feedback if you guys like this or not. If you do like it, I actually have a lot of series that I would like to do this for. I like it. Do you care about my opinion? I do. Like, I really like it. But I think it's a cool idea. Like, I like the thought of just doing a series from start to end. And there's a bunch of series I want to read. And I feel like... The goal that I've set myself right now is a book a week. So if I want to do the series, it kind of has to fit the show. I guess that's true. Yeah. Or I can hurry up and speed read faster. I don't know how you could read any faster than you already do. (laughs) Yes. If anyone doesn't know how fast I did read, you can check out our Instagram (laughs) stories. That's really fucking annoying. But okay. I posted all about this book. Anyway, here we go. And I, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys and. Tell me your thoughts on this. Are you going to tell us about like what it is? Because I honestly had never heard about it. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I have a whole thing about it, including a review. I'm excited. This is like one of our episodes shrunk down to really short. (laughs) Cool. And without an adaptation. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a book review. It's a book review. Okay, cool. This might fit better on a book blog, but I don't have one of those. I have a podcast. There you go. Perfect. Okay, so um, this is Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo, and it was published in 2012, Book and it's book one of the Shadow and Bone trilogy. So here's the plot. Surrounded by enemies, the once great nation of Ravka has been torn in two by the Shadowfold, a swath of near impenetrable darkness crawling with monsters who feast on human flesh. Now its fate may rest on the shoulders of one lonely refugee. Alina Starkov has never been good at anything, but when her regiment is attacked on the fold and her best friend is brutally injured, Alina reveals a dormant power that saves his life. 
a power that could be the key to setting her war-ravaged country free. Wrenched from everything she knows, Alina is whisked away to the royal court to be trained as a member of the Grisha, a magical elite led by the mysterious Darkling. Yet nothing in this lavish world is what it seems, with darkness looming an entire kingdom depending on her untamed power. Alina will have to confront the secrets of the Grisha and the secrets of her heart. That sounds incredible. Okay. I've been struggling to figure out what I want to say about this all day, and I want to do this book justice, but I also don't want to give anything away because we're not doing spoilers and all that. Right. That's a tough one. So I'm going to kind of break it down and just tell you some things I thought and some things about the book and all of that. Grisha is the Russian diminutive of Gregory, meaning watchful. And Bardugo also wanted to evoke the beauty and secrecy of the geisha, which I think it really does. Oh, okay. Her inspiration for the world came from Imperial Russia, where there's a huge discrepancy in class, a failure to industrialize, and a conscripted army. (gasps) Oh my god, okay. I was reading some reviews today, and it seems like the largest issue people have with this book is that it's not true to the Russian language and customs, and I find this absolutely ridiculous. It's a YA fantasy novel. Fantasy, as in fiction. So if you want a more purist rendering, this isn't the book for you. And some examples of the criticism include um, last names aren't gendered in the novel. The main character is Alina Starkov. In actual Russian, her name would be Alina Starkova. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what that is? Okay. I don't know. This, it doesn't take away from the novel for me. Okay. Another... Uh, issue they have is the characters drink, get drunk drinking um, kavas, and in actual Russia, it is a non-alcoholic beverage. It sometimes contains like 1%. So she could have used a different word. However, it's her world, and she can do whatever she wants. Yeah, it's not set in Russia. Like, it's not set in Russia. It's set in Ravka. Do you, like, you're pulling inspiration from something. You're not telling the story of imperial russia anyway yeah so when i started thinking about it i was kind of pulling it from george R. r martin because he pulls a lot of his inspiration from actual events including the red wedding okay and no one's over here shitting on him for it oh yeah because he's a man probably like this is a teen novel and it's fantasy and it's fiction right It drives me nuts. Anyway, she said that the original idea came from being spooked by a darkened hallway and that feeling that there could be monsters. And we've all had that feeling. Oh, that is so cool. From there, she thought about making darkness an actual thing, not a metaphor like most fantasy novels. So it's a literal physical thing with monsters in it. Nice. And it really works. The thought of not being able to see monsters all around you is terrifying. Yeah. Whether it's figurative or literal. Mm-hmm. But it it really works in this. And I think she has a true gift in her style of writing in the imagery. If I close my eyes, I have a crystal clear, perfect picture of this world. That's amazing. There isn't a ton of world building in it but I actually liked being dropped in the middle of things and kind of figuring them out and 
some of the words you don't know or understand, but a couple chapters in, you get it. It's clear. Like like the Grisha, the Corporalki. It's stuff like that. You you get it though. It happens quickly. I like those words too, because I feel like between I mean, I know Harry Potter is for kids and George R. R. Martin, obviously, like the Game of Thrones series is not for children. Mm-hmm. But both of those draw so much on British and I think like Scottish and Irish cultures. It's mm-hmm. really interesting to see something that draws from a more Eastern European. Mm-hmm. It's great. Culture. And just the words. It's so refreshing to hear like words that are based on something like a different language that's Russian. <laughs> right. I like the words is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. They're great. Uh, some other things. She writes really great secondary characters. And I'm so excited to see where they go, where these stories go. Like, I'm really invested in them as well. Cool. The heroes and the villains are very nuanced. No one is true evil. No one is true good. And I understand the villain and his motives. I understand the hero and her motives. This novel also makes you question what you would do to fit in and belong, how far you would go, how many things would you overlook, how much trust do you put in others, even if you know that maybe you shouldn't. I'm ordering this book like right now. I'm Um, so excited. Other questions arise, like what sacrifice would you make for those that you care about? Not just a personal sacrifice, but could you sacrifice others? Wow. Um, there's things that are predictable and they have the common mean girl jealousy tropes, but none of them bothered me. And there's other areas that I was truly surprised at what happened and what actions or choices the main character made. Another thing that I really enjoyed is that the end of this, this book didn't end on a huge cliffhanger it obviously left me wanting more but have enough it had enough of an ending that I didn't feel abandoned oh that's cool all in all this is one of the best YA fantasy novels that I have read in years it's bleak it's dark yet there's hope as well and I would highly recommend this to anyone who likes the genre or just wants to be entertained and I'm gonna give it a 4.5 stars slash vodka sodas and the only reason I'm not giving it a five is because I heard the next book is better and so I'm giving myself some room oh that's smart so I don't want to give them all fives but on my personal goodreads this is a five that's amazing the next book in the series that I will be covering on covering on the next lit bits is siege and storm and then Just a quick side note, I'm going to her King of Scars book signing tomorrow, and I am so excited. I get to have three books signed. That's amazing! I went and bought Six of Crows today at Barnes & Noble because- Oh, hence the Barnes & Noble trip. Right. So this is a trilogy. Six of Crows is a duology, and then King of Scars is a duology as well, but they're all in the same world. Oh, interesting. That sounds amazing. It's all I can do not to to start reading Siege and Storm. Like, I'm trying to wait so I can do it for Lit Bits. But I found my new fandom. I really, really love this. That is so exciting. I'm going to be so sad if you read this and hate it. (laughs) 
here's the thing and i am such an asshole i do that on purpose sometimes where i try to find fault in stuff that other people like and it's if so you stupid look for fault in this i'm sure you can find it but i went into it with an open mind not really knowing much what about it and i yeah. like i truly loved it. her writing style is just magic for me that's the thing is if their style can hook you then that is what like sells you because if the style is distracting it's, that makes it really hard to get through the book the way this book was written it basically played out like a movie in my head oh my god that's so exciting i'm glad that you found something so cool i really really like it and i'm excited for you to meet her tomorrow i'm so excited to meet her tomorrow You're i'm like such a geek are you gonna cry no i'm not gonna cry i'm not you I think you're going to cry. I cried when I met Felicia Day. I'm telling you. I got around the corner and I lost it. I was really disappointed because I they have a whole uh, fan meet and greet before. And it was already sold out by the time I even found out she was coming to Denver. Oh, that's a bummer. So all I got was like signing line tickets. But it's fine. I got signing line tickets. I still get to go and get my book signed. And I'm very, very excited. The fact that she does three is amazing. I know. Ever since I got the ticket to go get these signed, I've been sitting trying to figure out which two books I want to bring because obviously she signs King of Scars. So I think I'm just going to do Shadow and Bone, Six of Crows. So the first in each little mini series thing. There you go. That's a good idea. That's my plan. Nice. And I'll post pictures. I am so excited. It better be in your Instagram stories tomorrow. It will. Anyway, Shadow and Bone. You should give it a shot. I can't wait to order it. Do you have a lot of books signed? I have two. Okay, what two do you have signed? I have the Sherman Alexi one that I got at Costco. Okay. <laughs> and I have my Felicia Day one that's signed. Okay, very cool. Yeah. This is the first author signing I am going to, so. That's exciting. We should go to more of those. I want to. There's a really cool independent bookstore here in Colorado. It's called The Tattered Cover, and that's where it's going to be at. And I, like, I'm really excited to support a local bookstore, and I'm going to try harder to support more small, independently owned things. That's really cool, and that's something I'd like to have on our website someday. You can get affiliate links through local bookstores. The only problem is that their stock tends to be more expensive than Amazon, so mm. I don't know if people want to buy stuff because like Powell's here in Portland they have an mm -hmm. affiliate program I wonder if your tattered cover place has they an affiliate might program. if nobody knows you can buy all of our books on our website oh yeah through our affiliate link just click on the book cover and you can purchase it through Amazon but I might change that someday to show an independent bookstore an independent bookstore yeah that's a great way to get something for yourself gifts for people yeah read along with us Join the Grishaverse. Oh my God, that would be incredible. So I will actually have Abby upload all of these books to our website if you would like to purchase them. I will do that. And they are not signed copies. They will not be signed copies. However, you can get cheap used ones from Amazon. So I ordered a bunch of used books off Amazon. The other thing I hate is that there are stickers on them. That you cannot fucking get off. That you cannot get off. I ran into that this morning. All right. So our next episode will be out 
Next Sunday, it is Dumplin' by Julie Murphy, and the movie is currently streaming on Netflix. This is the last movie for now of our Netflix affair. Yay! And we would love to hear from you. You can find us on our website at thelitflixpodcast.com. It has all the links. You can email us from there. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We also have some really cool affiliate links and you can buy any of the books we've previously read or the upcoming books or any of the books from the Grishaverse. It also has links to the movies, which is great. So you don't have to search for anything. Yep. Just click. One stop shop. We make it real easy. Also stay tuned after this episode for a quick promo from Sisterly History. Please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcatcher you happen to be on so you never miss an episode. Cheers. Hey everyone, we're Nicole and Jackie, the siblings behind the new podcast Sisterly History. It's a not-so-serious history podcast hosted by two sisters on a quest for knowledge. It's a riot. Every week, we take listeners along with us as we venture back in time to share ye old stories and forgotten tales, and hopefully teach each other something new. You'll hear us brabble during trivia competitions that we call pop quizzes, and sometimes things get personal when we read your family history emails. So join the merriment every Monday. Find us on Apple, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to follow us all across the social media kingdom at Sisterly History. Let the quest begin. Okay, bye. bye.